How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. High in the air. Deep right field. Down the line it goes. It is. Oh, welcome back, tie game. Oh, man. That from NBC Sports Chicago last night. Yasmani Grandal, talk about a uh, welcome back game for him. That was the first of his two home runs. He also had, oh yeah, eight RBIs, not too bad. Sox beat the Cubs last night, 17-13. to uh, The voice there is uh, our uh, next special guest. We head on out, Bruce, to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Well, Mike, you're right. The voice, but even the person... Is going yes. to join us now. <laughs> the entire person. Our, our, our good friend Jason Benetti, uh, the voice of uh, White Sox television and part of a broadcast team, along with Steve Stone, that has been voted, Mike, the uh, very best in baseball among all the broadcasters. Jason, congratulations on that honor and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Bruce. Thank you. And I, I was laughing, as you said, uh, the person in the voice will join us because I was joking with Gordon Beckham over the last week that his hair needs to have its own headset. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does have its own zone. It's a 606-29, I, I believe. That's, the, uh, that, that's where you can <laughs> find, send mail to him. But uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, what a night to call baseball last night. That was a wild ride. Uh, I, I was looking after the second Grandal home run, and I thought, how is it not a career-high breaking eight RBIs? He had eight back in 2015. I mean, looking at this lineup when it's fully right and fully healthy, and I know Madrigal's gone to the Cubs, but you look at the, the nine, you have Andrew Vaughn batting eighth. Very suddenly... What struck me most last night, and I know the Cubs have fallen on hard times, 17 runs is anomalous, but what struck me last night is when you add one or two pieces in this lineup, like Grandal coming back, it really is highly competitive with the rest of the lineups in the American League. There's no doubt, Jason. In fact, we had uh, some texters calling it murderer's row, but there's as the team has gotten healthier, uh, Aloy has been great. Luis Robert has been great. Grandal, you can't come back much better than that. This is a team that's really, I mean, I don't want to pitch to any of these guys, right? And and, and that's a, a one through nine, uh, uh, you know, weapon, really, for Tony La Russa's team. 
It is. It is. And you look at what the Yankees did at the trade deadline and what they added to bolster their lineup. And you see what Houston has when they're fully healthy. And even Toronto, Springer's hurt, but and Biggio's hurt. But, you know, that's, that's a pretty deep lineup as well. And then you have to deal with Tampa Bay and what they do in terms of playing angles off the bench and with their left-right splits. And you have to have at least like a one through seven that's really, really dangerous. And I agree with you, Mike. One through nine is, is a big deal right now for the stock. So, uh, Jason, watching uh, and listening to your broadcast with Steve evolve over these last, is it five years now or four? Uh, are you in the fourth together full time? This is full time. This is number four overall, including those first two seasons when I was splitting down the middle with Hawks. This is six. I am old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> If if you're old, I'm not, I'm no longer with us. So uh, don't 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 worry don't worry about a thing. But my my point is watching the broadcast evolve. It has been fascinating to listen to because as the team was not too good, and then uh, the entertainment value that you and Steve brought along initially, uh, because it had to be more entertainment from you guys than it was the team on the field. To where you're at now, you know I've watched. Your broadcasting uh, evolve as well to from the uh, let's just have fun to let's have fun, but this is serious business. Um, how is that going about? Do you just broadcast to the moment or to what is in front of you? Is that the key for you? I think that's that's a really good way to put it, Bruce. Um, there was one game actually last season. You remember the game when Jose Abreu hit that 3-0 home run in Milwaukee? Uh, it was like, it was a couple weeks into the season, Abreu hit that home run. And it was one of those games that innings one through nine, we were just totally locked in on baseball. And Steve and I kind of had the same thought getting on the elevator, going back home is we were really, I mean, it was just straight up baseball for nine innings. And frankly, we hadn't done that. I don't even know in, in my tenure, in our tenure together. And that was kind of the game where I, I thought, wow, this team's going to be in the hunt now for years to come. I had done I had done ten years of minor league baseball where nobody even knows what the trophy's called when you win the trophy. So it's a lot of it's a lot of sort of off the ball stuff. But you have a close game and you jump into the to the game. But I think last year was when it really clicked because there was there were stakes and there are going to be stakes for a long time. So yeah, we'd love to have fun. But I appreciate you realizing that the range is there, too, that when we have a close game, it is all about the game. And it's got to be because that's, that's why we're there. And that's why I love nights like last night when you have 37,000 people in the ballpark. It's just really easy to feel that. Yeah, 30 runs and on 28 hits, and uh, I don't even want to look at the time of the game because I know I looked up at 10 o'clock and it was the bottom of the fifth. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be a offensive uh, shootout long game here, but uh, it certainly was entertaining. And, and I want to ask you this because, and and I I say this knowing full well that we all expected the Sox to be good and contend this year, but do you think they have been even? better, more dominating than than we might have thought? I mean, we, we always talked about when the Cubs uh, came of age in 2015, it happened as fat. You know, you knew they would be good, but you didn't know they were going to be that good. Do you compare that to this White Sox team at all? Uh, I think it's 
first of all, uh, time of the game, who's counting? But uh, Mike Love and Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys were playing because it was four oh nine last night. Uh, so I, I, the, the, the Sox this year, to me, have been a modern marvel in a lot of ways because you think about like Brian Goodwin showed up and had five RBIs in his first game, and you think about somebody like Billy Hamilton who just played way over what you probably expected at the beginning of the season in terms of offensively. And, and you see these parts get added that are these pieces that you're like, okay, well, you know, kind of a nice player, whatever. And then they really produce. I mean, Chevy Zavala had a three-home run game and, and mm-hmm. ended up keeping his spot in the majors as a backup catcher. So I think, you know, the one thing I'll say is the Sox didn't have – a fully healthy team offensively all year. I mean, it started with Eloy Jimenez. So I think the thing I'm most proud of with those people I know in the dugout is that they still have been dominating without their full lineup until last night. Jason, uh, when you look at uh, Tony LaRusse's year and, um, you know, you, you see that the a tremendous amount of pushback initially from a lot of people in the media and fans about why a 76-year-old guy, uh, why him now with this young, exciting team. And uh, you, you move it forward to uh, now, you know, being August 28th. Uh, what, what have you learned about Tony La Russa and his style of managing that you did not know and that has worked or in, in some cases not worked uh, for the White Sox this year? What I, and, and this is, to me, um, the, the most important thing that I've seen from Tony La Russa is that he doesn't make the same mistake twice, to me. I mean, and he has absolutely admitted, and it started with the Matt Foster situation in Seattle on the first road trip. He has come out and said, my fault, quite a bit. And I respect that. A guy who's in the Hall of Fame could easily, you know, blame other people and do all that stuff. And he, he says, my fault when it's his fault, and I appreciate that. I mean, the, we did some digging, Bruce, on the telecast last week. Uh, Chris Kampka helped with the research here. Tony Larusa has gone into August 11 times in his major league managerial career with a lead. Ten times he's kept that lead, and it's ranged from half a game to ten and a half games. But he, the most impressive piece for me in terms of decision-making over the last bunch of weeks has really fleshed itself out with the way he's managing the bench and the way he's getting days off for people. He knows he has a sizable cushion in the AL Central. And yes, you'd love to have home field advantage and all of that. But I, I really am impressed with the way he has handled the position players and the way he's handled rest. And I really think it's, it's very important to note that he is doing that for a reason. And so Tony LaRussa uh, the way he's managed August has been really impressive to me. Jason, uh, Jason Medeni, our guest uh, from White Sox TV, NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, we were talking about last night's win for the, the White Sox over the Cubs. Uh, Keuchel with a rough start, but then Lopez comes in for the proverbial, the, not the actual save, but five perfect innings really rescuing that game for the White Sox. As we look at pitching going forward, how do you how do you figure this working with with Lopez with Keuchel? You know who the top guys are and and how they are going to uh, kind of battle it out for for postseason here. If I told you I knew, 
that would be a complete lie because I don't even <laughs> think the front office knows. Right. You know, you have Ronaldo Lopez go five perfect innings last no. night, and no. I, I don't, I don't know what you do with that necessarily. So, I, you know, I think, um, you know, Keuchel's obviously struggled, but he'll get the opportunity to rectify that in the final month of the season. I mean, if you're going to say, well, you know, he's done. People said that about Ronaldo Lopez last year and when he had a seven ERA in AAA. So this game, like, this game is funky like that, and, and I'm not going to write off a veteran pitcher until it's the end of the line. So I, I don't know how they're going to handle it, but I, I will say – Reynaldo Lopez has been ultra impressive, and Stoney said it last night, and he's exactly right. There are no setup pitches. He's just going at people, and that wasn't the case over the past bunch of years. Yeah, it, it is. It was fun to watch. Jason, uh, with uh, a couple more minutes left, and uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, for us on Inside the Clubhouse today. Uh, managing and handling and getting the most out of two closers and a bullpen that if you if you're going to be honest about it has not necessarily lived up to the great expectations everybody had for them um it's it seems to be uh one of the the keys toward moving forward in postseason how might you imagine the kimbrell Hendricks, bummer uh and kopech of course experience working out because some reason I got in my head at some point that this was going to be a video game and it was going to be easy and it and it's been far from easy. You have watched too much baseball to think anything's going to be easy, Bruce. Shame <laughs> on you. No, I, I I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And I mean that's that's just the way it goes sometimes. I I, I I'm I'm joking, of course. But the to me. And I said this about Bummer the other day, and some Sox fans are sick of hearing about it, but Aaron Bummer's expected ERA this year is under three. He's given up a lot of terrible, silly little hits. That, to me, means the stuff is really good. Kimbrell's stuff speaks for itself. Henrik's stuff speaks for itself. Crochet and Kopech, et cetera. So I think as you go into the postseason, you want a bunch of guys with stuff and a bunch of guys who can command that stuff. We know the stuff is there. We know the walk rate has been higher than people would like, including Ethan Katz and Tony LaRusa. But I think the Sox are in great shape in the bullpen. That might be like an old takes exposed situation or freezing hot takes or whatever when we get into, into October. But to me, I think the Sox, like when, when the bullpen starts to take over a game, I don't worry. And maybe I've lost like that. Maybe I've lost that gene that I used to have as a Sox fan when like the bullpen would come in and I'd go, that guy's bad, that guy's bad, that guy's bad, that guy's bad, that guy's bad. <laughs> like you get really nervous as a fan. I get it. I totally get it. But I think the stuff is paramount. The strikeout rate is phenomenal, like top three in baseball for bullpens for the Sox in, in terms of relief core. So I think they're in good shape. I really, really, really do. And the results sometimes pay that off and sometimes don't. When I envisioned this bullpen, like you're talking about, I think, Bruce, that 7th, 8th, and ninth in Toronto on Thursday was Mm -hmm. exactly what I envisioned. Right. We haven't seen it a lot, but, uh, again, we're spoiled by the riches that uh, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and – Jerry Reinsdorf has brought in, I imagine, because of the fact that they went out at the trade deadline and did 
some magical things. And now you have the offensive guys coming back in Robert, in Grandal, and in Eloy, who might be the freshest stars in baseball for the rest of the way. Yeah, don't don't underestimate. It's a good point. Don't underestimate um, October feeling like June for right. some of those guys, just in terms of their legs this year. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be fascinating in the playoffs to see which version of all of these contenders we get. The Yankees have won 13 in a row, but they were terrible for a while, and they have, they have definite bullpen concerns, and they have definite starting rotation concerns later in the starting rotation. The Astros, to me, are a really dangerous team. The Red Sox went in the tank for a while. Alex Cora was calling it embarrassing. So I, I think we've seen both sides of the coin from most of the contenders in the American League. Uh, to me, the way Tampa Bay is playing is, is the scariest team in the American League because they are so smart with the way they use their bench players. Their bullpen is just every time a recycled cast of characters who all throw sliders or cutters, and they all strike you out. And so I think like a Sox Tampa Bay ALCS would be highly interesting, but I do think most of the contenders in the American League have had sort of bizarre seasons where we've seen the worst of them and the best of them in a pretty dramatic fashion. Jason, we appreciate your time today. Uh, really looking forward to tonight's game with uh, Lance Lynn on the bump, and uh, we'll see if uh, <laughs> we get another 30 runs tonight. Uh, I'm going to guess not, but uh, certainly an entertaining and, one uh, last night. And before you go, Jason, how about bragging a little bit about you and Stoney becoming the most popular and best uh, broadcast team in baseball. Come on, give us 30 seconds, please. You know how it is in Chicago. Vote early, vote often, Bruce. No, <laughs> I, my, my, my thing is this. My thing is this. That is, that, that is an award for our crew. Because our producer, Chris Withers, works his tail off every day to get interesting stuff in the telecast. Chris Kamka is an absolute statistical genius. You've seen it on Twitter. And, and our directors, Dave Turner and Andrew Blaustein, are super creative. These road games, guys, they have one camera that they can use on their own. The way we're doing games right now, they have one camera to show whatever and tell stories. One camera, and then we're beholden to the world feed. So this is for them, for people over the course of 162 games of a very difficult season with restrictions and the way the broadcast has been sort of uh, severed because we're not traveling. Uh, this is for them in a major way because they're they're truly brilliant people, and and I wouldn't give them up for anything in the world. You know what, Jason? Uh, that was well said. You're a great teammate. But how about buying lunch or dinner once in a while? <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't even know where my wallet is right now. Bruce. <laughs> I have no idea. Jason, I don't. Even, I, I have no clue. <laughs> you're, you're the best. Uh, we love listening to you and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, nobody works harder than Jason Benetti, Mike. I see him at the ballpark. Uh, he works as hard before games, I'm sure, after games than anybody I've ever seen. It's a pleasure. Take care. Have a great day, and we'll see you at the ballpark today. Thanks again. Bruce, Mike, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Jason Benetti from uh, White Sox TV. And I and agree, Steve, or uh, excuse me, Steve. I was going to say Steve Stone and Jason uh, Bruce put on a wonderful broadcast that even in a uh, 
terrible season like some of the previous ones was entertaining and held your interest. And now, as Jason mentioned, it's all about the baseball, right? And, and that uh, is no doubt mixed in with, with the entertainment uh, factor as well. It's wonderful. Yeah, what, what I love about the broadcast is I don't always agree with what Jason says, but his passion, his detail for work, what he ends up saying is based on what he has put into that broadcast. Right. Whether uh, if it's uh, if he's on an umpire or he has uh, some data to go along with something that uh, just worked out or didn't work out, tremendously prepared and ready every moment for that broadcast. So we're blessed here in Chicago to have uh, the the great broadcast teams on both sides of town, and and Jason's just a wonderful part of that. Yep, no doubt about it. We have uh, plenty of fun uh, on both sides of town, and we certainly appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, we will also have uh, some fun sound from Rick Hahn, uh, who uh, is extending an olive branch to the people across town. We certainly will will uh, perk our ears up for that. More talk about Crosstown as well. When we return here on Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito filling in for David Haw today here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's time 
time for some chin music. Hey, Yomp, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. We're open to anyone who wants to come in and root for, for the White Sox. That, 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 look, uh, we think there's a lot of fun times to be had watching this squad, not just over the next couple of months, but over and it would be a shame for anyone to, to miss out. So, welcome aboard. That is Rick Hahn yesterday before the game, before the White Sox beat the Cubs. You have inside the clubhouse Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. Uh, that, Bruce, is, uh, is Rick welcoming Cubs fans. Hey, you know what? We have a uh, playoff team here. Feel free to jump on the old bandwagon. And Rick Hahn being the not only wonderful baseball man that he is, but a really smart guy, never said that Cub fans, okay, <clears throat> within the framework of his uh, That's true. sentences, right? Uh, he said, we're open to anybody uh-huh. that would like to come and enjoy White Sox baseball now and in the future because don't miss the ride that we expect to be on. Um, that's chin music to Cub fans. Um I, I'm wondering how uh, they are taking it out there. 312-644-6767. You, as a Cub fan, will you be rooting on the Chicago White Sox to great victories? Will you be joining in? Uh, Mike, it's an old conversation ever yep. since, since the score began and sports radio began in Chicago back in 1992. Can Cub fans root for the White Sox? Can White Sox fans root for the Cubs when things are going well for the other team and not theirs? Um, What's your take? You have young kids now. Give me a take of how that works as far as the Cub and White Sox dynamic in your own home. Yeah, no, for sure. And actually, I think we're a good example because I'm a middle-aged, born-and-raised Cubs fan. But I, I never disliked the White Sox. We've covered the White Sox for many years. Um, and I'm fully on board rooting for the White Sox uh, to win and uh, actively watching their games, etc. That doesn't mean I'm ignoring the Cubs. But uh, certainly the White Sox are the story baseball-wise right now in town in terms of uh, postseason uh, possibilities. I will say this. What I about your coach, kids? Yeah. Exactly. I, I help coach my uh, my son's nine-year-old and ten-year-old team, and we have a bunch of kids who love baseball. And speaking for my son, you know who who Javier Baez was his favorite player, and we were, uh, you know, he was a, a Cubs fan. Although he same thing, he didn't dislike the Sox. I took him to the game, uh, the White Sox game last week. We were actually at the the Chris Bassett game, the game when he unfortunately got hit uh, with the ball uh, in the face. But anyway, my point being is that we went to that game. You know, my son loves baseball, right? He wants to watch winning baseball. The White Sox have a lot of great young stars. And I don't want to say that he's all of a sudden switched his allegiance, but, you know, the Cubs traded away some very popular players. They're obviously not contending this year. Uh, and the White Sox are, and the White Sox have those attractive young stars. So I got to say, that's that's kind of the way... Uh, our household is gone. I now I now have a son who has a Yoan Moncada jersey, and I bought a 
th- this is my logic, Bruce. You'll appreciate this as as uh, a fellow baseball man. I said, listen, I have no problem wearing White Sox gear. I have other things, but I'm going to buy an Eloy Jimenez T-shirt because he used to be a Cub, and then the Cubs traded him the Sox. So this way, I could kind of, sort of, in my own weird way, root for both teams. I don't know. What do you, what do you make of that? It's interesting. I mean, I come from a, a different era, you know, an older era where uh, you were one or the other. And uh, I, I, I believe from observing and reporting and just being a Chicago fan my uh, whole life that uh, for many, many decades, Cub fans did not care what White Sox fans did or what their team did, where White Sox fans... Somewhere along the line, uh, they cared greatly about what their team did, but they also wished for bad things to happen to the Cubs. Yeah. Okay. I think that was that was pretty much what I had observed. I could be wrong, but I don't. I'm not sure I am. I don't know if the last ten years or so so have changed it for Sox fans and Cub fans. I believe. Cub fans after the White Sox won in 2005. Neither team had won a World Series or gone to a World Series forever. So uh, it was just pretty much we're struggling to get a Chicago team into the World Series and win one. Once the White Sox won in 2005, I noticed a difference of attitude on on many Cub fans, I believe, that, uh, hey, now you're just more than the team that plays on the South Side. You have something that we want and we've wanted for uh, over 100 years. So I think that might have been satisfied in 2016, but I don't know about uh, how intense the dislike is going from north to south. I've always noticed it going from south to north. Yeah, we're getting a ton of texts, and uh, the number, if you want to text us, 312-644-6767. Can you read any of them on the air, Mike? Sure. Are there any any words that... uh, we can nope. uh, bleep out. I will not. Okay. I will not even need to bleep. But so this is one you mentioned: south to north hostility. This from uh, clearly a Sox fan. I don't want any filthy Cubs fans cheering for the Sox. Stay away. Uh, so there's what about that, the and that's ones? and that's the, right? <laughs> and that, and that's not that's not everybody. Uh, but you know, a lot of people are definitely saying, and I'll just read this one from the 815 saying. There's a difference between root for and be a fan of. Of course, I'll always root for a Chicago team when my team is bad. A lot of people who are saying, yes, I'm a lifelong Cubs fan or I'm a huge Cubs fan and I will root uh, for the Chicago White Sox right now. And I say that myself. I kind of paraphrased that uh, when I told my story about taking my son to the game. Um, and I know the, you know, the team we coach, uh, you know, a 9U, a 10U team that we're coaching right now out here, you know, a lot of the kids who watch – and are actively involved in baseball. The White Sox are an exciting story. I mean, nationally, if you're wa- if you're watching the playoff teams, and we'll talk about this in our next segment, Bruce. But you know, the the playoff teams, the teams that are are the favorites heading into the postseason this year, the White Sox are certainly one of the younger and more exciting teams uh, out there in baseball, completely. Well, you know, I always go by the the Mike North rule of thumb. Mike North, you know, a good friend of mine and a great broadcaster for so many years here, kind of changed the face of talk radio here for for many uh, decades here, uh, was a dyed-in-the-wool White Sox fan. Right there with, you know, hating 
everything about Cub and Cub Nation, became a broadcaster, had to change a little bit of his tone. But I don't think he ever changed the essence of that Southside feeling that um, we don't want you Cub fans cheering for our team, okay? Just mm-hmm. stay away. Uh, and when it in 1997, Mike, when the games started to count for real, now going back to the 20s and 30s, the Cubs and White Sox played every year in uh, the Mayor's game, and uh, the money usually went to the Boys and uh, Girls uh, Club of uh, Chicago uh, for all those decades. You know, it was, a, it was not really much of a rivalry, but it was a game or a series they played every year. But 1997, it became for real. And I think uh, maybe Cub fans started to change their tune a little bit, and White Sox fans dug in just a little bit deeper because, uh, you know, again... The um, Crosstown Classic trophy was given out to the White Sox yesterday after their fourth win of the uh, six-game series this year. Right. No, and, and I know, again, speaking personally, I loved watching the White Sox win it all in 2005, watched all of those games closely, certainly loved watching the Cubs uh, progress uh, and, and get good, get really good, and then win the World Series in 2016. Uh, and certainly hoping for the best from the Sox. But it is funny. It's it's an interesting dynamic uh, of of fandom and rooting and old school, new school, and uh, can you root for both? Um, I think you can. I think it's fun to do that, too. Uh, and certainly we will be uh, talking about this more uh, as I, I we will, head into the I'll, playoffs, right? I'll, Mike, I, Mike, I will say one thing. I think the one thing that draws White Sox fans and Cub fans closer together now is that the fans now are more into the game than they've ever been as far as understanding farm systems, drafting, uh, you know, looking at minor league players coming up. They know just about as much as an old general manager from maybe the 40s or 50s do about the entire organization and how difficult it is to sign, develop, and get a productive major league player to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that in mind, I think both fan bases have a better understanding and appreciation for the great talent on each side of town. That's just a summation on my part. I don't know. It's not based on any data, but it's just a feel that uh, the, the, the Chicago fans now are so much more sophisticated when it comes to understanding how Major League Baseball works and how difficult it is to get good players to your team at the big league level. Right. I, I love this text, Bruce, and it speaks to me. You couldn't have a favorite. Like, I am a Cubs fan. If I had to pick one team, it would be the Cubs. But I agree 100% with this from the 815. We are lucky to have two teams. Go Sox. Go Cubs. That that I agree with that. I can definitely roll with that. Uh, and as we take a oh. quick timeout, I think that's a good message for our, our baseball fandom, right? Absolutely, Mike. And the idea that um, Chicago fans, New York fans, last uh, 60 years, L.A. fans and San Francisco fans, Oakland and both L.A. teams, we are so fortunate to have two teams and a baseball game in Chicago every day. <clears throat> I've made a living the last... 35 years covering a Chicago baseball game in the summertime or starting in spring training every day. And I still am very thankful 
for having a game in Chicago and a good team in Chicago every day to cover. I mean, that is a privilege. So uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I feel very fortunate to be born and raised in Chicago and, and have uh, Chicago teams to root for every day in Chicago. Agreed 1,000% with that, Bruce. Uh, We have one more segment here on Inside the Clubhouse. When we return, Bruce, we will talk about Yasmani Grandal's big day as he came back from injury. Also, Ian Happ as the Cubs, uh, of the Cubs, has has started hitting again. We will talk about that. Uh, All of that, uh, when we return here, it's Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw today on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. A little bit of mechanical difference and then a lot of just being on time, a lot of mental, um, being on time for fastballs and, and understanding that from that point I can adjust to the off-speed stuff. I think that's something that I've been pretty good at my whole career and trying to chase some of that slug or contact on on sliders and change-ups, you know, off-speed got me late or in between on both. So just being really on time for that heater has, has kind of freed me up to you know understand that I can hit off-speed from that position. Ian Happ on with Bernstein and Rahimi on Thursday. You have Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, in for David Haw today. Uh, One of the storylines, certainly, Bruce, for the Cubs is the recent hot hitting of Ian Happ. He's got multi-hit games in three of his last four. He's been hot. He's been hitting for power. Uh, Certainly uh, has been sorely lacking so far this year, but... Hopefully, he's he's finding it here as uh, as we head into September. You know, Mike, uh, you mentioned something when we were talking to um, John Shambi about uh, Hap, and that is that uh, it's been uh, it's been up and down, it's such a roller coaster of a career since he came up in yep. seventeen, where uh, you know he hit the twenty five home runs, then eighteen, uh, you know, it was. Okay, but starting to drop a little. 19, uh, 18 at the end of the year, not good. Uh, in spring training, they decide to send him to the minor leagues to begin 19, which uh, was crazy because uh, nobody saw it coming, including Ian Happ. Uh, he spent uh, three and a half months there and came back and had a very solid end to 2019 for six weeks. And then last year, as you said, he carried the team the first month uh, it was only a two-month season, but September was another season where he hit two, uh, another month where he hit 200 and didn't produce. <clears throat> Fast forward to 2021, struggles began. It's been there all year. Had the injury with the collision with Horner, kept him out for a while, came back, hasn't hit, and then all of a sudden, the last couple weeks, uh, getting starting time. He's starting to really hit again and, and show productivity. So figuring out who Ian Happ is going forward is something that is, is really important for uh, Jed Hoyer, his people, David Ross, to figure out uh, how he fits uh, to a, a certain degree. Uh, the same thing is true for David Bodie. Yeah, no, and Bruce, you look at that Cubs lineup because certainly one of the things and one of the only things uh, Cub fans in terms of, uh, you know, forward-looking baseball in terms of next year when the Cubs will be better, hopefully, and and have uh, some more uh, success on the field, 
you're looking, all right, who's going to be around? I think it's pretty safe to say Patrick Wisdom is going to be around. I think it's pretty safe to say Ian Happ is going to be around. Jason Hayward will be here. Is a guy like Frank Schwindel playing himself into a role? I mean, you mentioned Ortega earlier in the show. I think these are guys that are likely to be around. I mean, a lot of that depends on what Jed Hoyer and company do in the offseason in terms of free agency. But, I mean, those are the handful of guys, certainly. Maybe Robinson Chirinos in a backup catcher role with in Contreras, of course. But, I mean, those are the names that uh, stick in my head. How about you? Well, you know, they do, and they're all 30-year-old guys, okay? Uh, are we seeing an advent right now in baseball, uh, Mike, where 30-year-old guys are starting to uh, be uh, more of the – professional players that have been playing for eight or, or so or 10 years in some cases in the minor leagues, have those players caught up to the talent level of a lot of the players uh, in the major leagues? And I think we're seeing the sample size in other cities as well that, that the possibility is, is that uh, the talent level at the major league baseball is such that these guys are as good or good enough to be Everyday players, maybe not uh, on great teams, but on good teams, and mm-hmm. certainly serviceable players on all major league teams. So, uh, are we seeing this happening because these guys hung on, persevered, learned the game thoroughly, and now are prepared to step in at the major league level when maybe the talent level base is not quite what it was three, four, or five years ago? Or taking another step, Mike, and say, the expectations of what a major league baseball player is different now that we're in the OPS era where a guy like Wisdom, who struck out too much in the minor leagues but still had good power numbers, is more acceptable because he can strike strike out 39% of the time but still pound out 35 or 40 home runs in a 600-at-bat season. So these are some of the questions that uh, Hoyer and some of the other executives have to answer when you see these uh, veteran guys come from the minor leagues and start to produce at the major league level. Certainly. And you, you hit it right on the nose there, right? 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a guy who bats 250 and strikes out all that time, you're probably not too excited about him in this era. I mean, it is what it is, right? He's, he's not getting his... there, Mike. No. Yeah. Mike, he's not even getting a chance. Okay. Right? There are, there are gym teachers and lawyers and doctors right. who are right. uh, professional players out there for a lot of years that hit 250 uh, in the minor leagues. And they were told, hey, look, you don't make enough contact. Uh, you know, go find yourself another trade. But they, they had some of those skills. It's just that now with the numbers, you know, that they're asking for, OPS over batting average, uh, power and power numbers over contact, uh, that the, the requirements uh, for being a major league player have changed drastically. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, I, I know that lots of people may not be interested in watching some of these uh, you know, guys try to make it after how many years in the minors. But to me, a lifelong baseball lover, it's cool to see Frank Schwindel come up and have success after he's, as you said, persevered through Lord knows how many different uh, situations in the minors. And get a chance finally, and he's batting, you know, 327 after last night with a 952 OPS, batting second and really hitting. And 
and getting an actual opportunity to play every day. To me, it's worth watching. It's fun. You may disagree, yeah. uh, this, the, the listener no, of the no, show. No, I don't. But... I, I think it, romantically of, about the game of baseball, Sure, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Look at Ortega. This is his seventh, seven different organizations over a 10-year minor league career. Uh, okay, uh, a couple of cups of coffee in the major leagues. Uh, and, you know, a little wonky success here and there, but not much. And then to be uh, an impact player for the Cubs, even though uh, Cub fans have a hard time watching it because they don't know what they're watching for yeah. now and the future. Uh, it's great for these guys, and I, I enjoy watching them uh, be successful and, and trying to stay on it and, and show they are major league ballplayers. And, and the fun is just beginning for the White Sox with this core, and they locked up uh, Lance Lynn. They've got a, a, a few years coming here, including this one, where they are going to be one of the best teams in the American League, if not one of the best teams in all of baseball. And I'm ready to enjoy the ride. And I say that as a lifelong Cubs fan, I am ready to do it. And I am looking forward to the postseason this year and, and watching the White Sox. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think it's going to be uh, an awfully fun postseason here. You're as good as you're pitching, uh, Mike. And that, that's how it's going to shake down. It's not going to be any different for the White Sox either. So keep your eye on the starters and on the bullpen, guys. Mike, it's been a lot of fun. Working with you, David Hall, be back next week. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, I write on our website for White Sox and Cubs every day on 670thescore.com. Thank you, Bruce. I'm on Twitter at Espo670. Our thanks to Adam Stadzinski for producing. Thanks to our guests, Boog Shambi, Jason Benetti. Great as always. We appreciate everybody, and we thank you for joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Coming up next... Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage with Adam Studzinski. Stick around for that here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.